Hello! Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is called Soft, the First Dog, Part 2, an original story by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Esme and her family, Sophie and Elena and their family, George, Dagny, and Salinger and their family, and Declan and Katie and their family. Thank you so much, Katie, Declan, Salinger, Dagny, George, Elena, Sophie, and Esme. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Our Patreon subscribers also gain access to a special commercial-free feed with all of our past episodes on it, and you can get it for pledging as little as $1 a month. The feed works with any podcast player, and you can email us if you need help setting it up. Stories Podcast is brought to you by Chase. All my real estate friends say the same thing. The last few years have been a seller's market. So how does someone like me looking to buy their first home stand out and get taken seriously? Chase's closing guarantee is one way to give you the edge you need. As a Chase customer, you're guaranteed to close quickly or you get $1,000. So you can show homeowners you're serious about buying without the personal letter or gift basket or skywriting it over their house. Get in your first home even faster with Chase. Learn more at chase.com slash stories. Chase, make more of what's yours. All home lending products are subject to credit and property approval. Rates, program terms, and conditions are subject to change without notice. Not all products are available in all states or for all amounts. Other restrictions and limitations apply. Home lending products offered by JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A., an equal housing lender. Summer is finally here. It's time for beach days and barbecues, family vacations, and quality time with the ones you love. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a whole day getting my hair colored at the salon when I could be outside playing frisbee with my dog, but I also don't want to take a chance on a box kit from the drugstore. Now there's another option, Madison Reed. It took a strong woman to shake up the hair coloring world and Amy Errett did just that with Madison Reed, the company she named after her daughter. Madison Reed offers gorgeous, professional hair color delivered to your door for less than $25. What makes their color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm to create over 45 gorgeous multi-tonal shades. Clients agree. With Madison Reed, you get gorgeous, shiny, multi-dimensional, healthy-looking, fresh-from-the-salon hair. But you can do it yourself at home. Get an expert color consultation or take the color quiz at madison-reed.com. And right now, Stories Podcast listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code STORIES. That's code STORIES for 10% off your first color kit plus free shipping. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! Soft, the First Dog, Part 2 Chapter 7, The Wolf More than a day later, Mazzy finally woke to a hazy dawn. Sunlight drizzled over the treetops like honey. There was a breath of wind. It sent giant snowflakes wafting through the air. There were so many that their shadows cast a shifting, spotted pattern on the ground. Mazzy stuck out her tongue, hoping to catch one of the snowflakes. After a moment's hunt, she wavered left, jerked right, 
and then caught one on the center of her tongue. Immediately, she turned and coughed and hacked, finally spitting out a mouthful of slate-gray spit. It wasn't snow at all. It was ash. She rubbed the sleep from her eyes and blinked up at the forest, rising to her feet. The wind was stirring the ash from last night's fire and sending it swirling through the air like snow. She shivered, suddenly aware of her missing jacket and the chill in the air. Ash. Her missing jacket. Images crashed through her mind. A wall of blazing orange pine trees, a cloud of dark and evil smoke, a snarling hyena, and a burning village. The fire! Mazzy felt her heart drop into her stomach as the rest of her memory came creeping back. The fire, the laughers, her parents, the big laugher, and the young wolf. Thinking of the young wolf, Mazzy spun, eyes searching. There was no sign of him. Mazzy knew it was probably for the best, but she couldn't help but feel a little sad. The wolf had helped her with the laugher, and they had helped each other get away from the smoke. Mazzy smiled, remembering how his great fluffy tail had wagged back and forth when she called him soft. That gave her a thought. Soft? She called, hesitant at first but warming to it. Soft! Soft! Are you out here, boy? Mazzy stood silent for a minute, then two, and then finally let her shoulders slump with a huff. What did I expect? Stupid, she muttered. Now. Which way is home? She squatted on the river's edge, smoothed a patch of muddy snow with her foot. Then, taking her little knife, she began to draw a crude map. All right, so the sunrise is over the village cave, and Mom and I were exactly on the opposite side of the village when I got pulled away. She continued to draw, brows furrowed in thought. So, if I head towards the sunrise, I should be heading towards the cave, which means I should be heading towards the village. Maybe. Mazzy sighed and threw down the stick. If only she could smell out a trail the way the laughers and the wolves did, then she could trace herself right back home. Something terrible occurred to her. The laughers could still be close. They could be sniffing her out right now. Suddenly the forest seemed sinister, the ashy snowfall like something out of a nightmare. A voice deep in her brain and that primal part shared by all animals, large and small, seemed to shout up at her. Run! All planning forgotten, she scrambled up the riverbank and plunged into the forest. The low, ash-covered pine boughs whipped at her face, and she raised her arms to ward them off. On and on she ran until finally she sucked in a mouthful of ash and doubled over coughing. Wiping her mouth on her sleeve, she took a deep breath and closed her eyes. Calmed, she opened them again and stared with misery at what lay ahead. She had been so worried about finding the village, it never occurred to her that there might not be a village left to find. Oh, oh no, she whispered. Ahead lay the smoldering ruins of the forest, nearly every tree reduced to charred stubs. Here and there, parts were still smoking fitfully. The trees gone, there was nothing to block her view of the village cave, hazy in the distance. Of the village, there was no sign at all. Mazzy stepped carefully through the ruined forest, avoiding the worst of the smoke and the occasional glowing embers. Even still, by the time she reached the edge of her village, her throat was raw and her eyes were red and puffy. At least she wasn't cold anymore. They're all gone, she said, looking at the blackened ground. 
Maybe, though. Maybe they fought off the laughers. Maybe they got away from the fire. She lifted her eyes hopefully to the cave. Maybe. She ran through the ruins, her feet kicking up snow and ash and mud with every step. Hello? She shouted into the mouth of the cave as she approached. It's Mazzy. Is anyone here? She walked into the cave and saw the torches were missing from the wall. Some fresh furs they had been storing were gone as well. There was an old coat someone had left behind. It was ragged, too big, and smelled of smoke, but it was better than freezing, so Mazzy shrugged it on. She walked to where the torches had hung. They hadn't burned down. They had been too large for that. Someone must have taken them. So at least someone survived. But they had left. Mazzy's heart flitted like a doe between happiness and horror. If only there was a way to know who it had been and where they may have gone. As Mazzy thought about it, she sat back against the wall. She was suddenly reminded of when her father had given her the knife and the powder. The powder! Of course! She hurried across the cave and found just what she was looking for. The bare patch of wall where she had left her hand's mark was now covered with prints. She recognized her mother's long, slender fingers beside her own and her father's. Underneath, there was a painting of a line of people walking towards the sun. They had taken the sunrise path. She should have guessed. Looking back up, she took a quick count of the handprints. As best as she could figure, everyone in the village had survived the attack and taken the sunrise path. Everyone except for her. For a moment, she couldn't believe they would have left her behind, but then she thought back and realized what they saw. As far as anyone knew, she had been grabbed by the neck and dragged into the burning forest. Her parents couldn't have seen that the laugher only had her coat. They must have thought that she was gone for good. So they had left. Mazzy stumbled from the cave and crested the short hill to look towards the east, towards the sunrise path. It was beautiful, all blowing drifts of snow, rocky paths and ridges, gentle rolling hills and frozen winding rivers. But there was no sign of her tribe, of her family. The constantly blowing snows didn't leave so much as a footprint uncovered. She had no idea how she would ever find her tribe in all that wild. They could have gone a hundred different ways, taken any number of trails. It was too much. The fire, the laughers, and now being left behind? Too, too much. She sank to her knees and began to cry. So lost in her sadness, she barely flinched when the young wolf howled along from somewhere nearby. Their cries rolled into one another and wafted over the plains like leaves, like smoke, like ashes. Chapter 8 The Girl The young wolf shook himself awake. Yawning in a stunning display of fangs, he stretched forward, stretched back, and then licked the itchy ashes from his lips as best he could. He sniffed the air. Fire and smoke and ash. He sniffed again, wet black nostrils flaring. No crunchers nearby. No anything nearby, really. Just her. Just the girl. She was still sleeping. Her chest was barely moving. The young wolf circled slowly away from her. The night had been full of smoke and danger, and they had relied on each other. But she was still only human. She wasn't wolf. Still, it didn't seem right to leave her unprotected. After a moment's thought, he lifted his leg and marked her. That way, other animals would smell and know she belonged to the pack. Satisfied, he loped away into the woods, 
heading for the clearing the pack had been calling home. It had been burned in the fire, he knew, but if there was a trail to find, that was where he would find it. He used his nose to trace the path they had taken the previous night, paused briefly to sniff at the blood of the cruncher he had bit. His nose told him the beast had fled in the opposite direction of the clearing and the girl. Good. From there, it was only a few more minutes of careful sniffing and pawing to find the clearing. It was full of the smells of smoke and fire. Only when he pushed his nose through the ash and into the ground was he able to find traces of his pack. There was no trail. The young wolf whined and explored outwards in ever-widening circles. There had to be a trace. There had to be some smell, however faint. The sun moved halfway across the sky while he searched, but in the end, he found nothing. His pack had left him behind. No doubt they thought he had been swallowed up by the big burn. Not knowing where else to turn, the young wolf made his way back to the girl. He was surprised to find her just how he had left her, curled up and sleeping, her breath shallow and a little shaky. Creeping close, he realized the problem. Usually humans wore fur when they were outside, fur taken from deer and mammoth and then shaped by their clever paws. The girl had no furs other than a thin layer of stitched rabbit pelts. She must be very cold, he realized. I'll be cold tonight, too, without my packmates. Thinking of no better options, the young wolf laid his soft, shaggy body next to the girl and napped lightly. Through the night, the girl's breathing got better, and when the sun came slanting through the smoky air, she began to stir. Still wary, the young wolf crawled away into a patch of unburned brush, watching the girl as she woke. Soft? he heard her call out. Soft? Soft? Are you out there, boy? He remembered that word from the night of the fire when she had rubbed his fur. Humans were noisy, always making sounds at each other. The young wolf in his pack had learned what a dozen or so of the words meant or seemed to mean. Thraz meant pack leader. Deer meant small prey and mammoth meant the big, hairy prey. Spear was the long claw men carried and meat was food. And now, apparently, soft meant him. He was surprised to find he liked it. Still, she was a human and not his pack leader at any rate, so he would stay hidden until he knew more about what she meant to do. Suddenly, the girl turned and darted into the smoldering ruins of the forest. Barely holding back a bark, Soft leapt up and went after her. He was careful to keep his distance and stay hidden among the stumps of trees. His gray and black coat kept him well camouflaged. Soft trailed the girl to the cave and then went exploring when she went inside. He smelled the lingering odors of the human village mixed with crunchers, all well covered by smoke and fire. Ranging up and over the rise behind the cave, he picked up a hint of wolf. The pack! They had been near here! Head down and sniffing eagerly, he found a trail leading away towards the sunrise. It smelled old, but only a day or so, and under that he smelled the humans again. His pack had followed the humans. Of course! He followed the trail for a ways and then froze, his body still and his nose sniffing slowly. With a little whine, he pushed his nose into the snow and smelled deep. Crunchers. And the trail was only half a day old. They must have found the scent of the humans and they were following it, same as the wolves. In the distance, he heard the cries of the girl. Without meaning to, he let out a great mournful howl, head tilted back and mouth open to the sky. Their cries rolled into one another, 
and wafted over the plains like leaves, like smoke, like ashes. Chapter 9 The Trail Mazzy spent the night in the cave, not daring to try and find a trail until the next morning. The laughers could be out there anywhere. She had heard soft howling earlier, but she still wasn't sure what to make of the young wolf. He had helped her once, but that was mutual. They needed each other. Would the wolf help her again if she needed it? She couldn't begin to guess. The sun slipped towards the horizon, and the evening chill seemed to radiate from the cave's stone walls. Mazzy looked longingly towards the sloping wall where they had once built fires. A deep fissure in the stone had acted like a chimney, drawing away the smoke and reflecting enough heat to keep the cave warm and toasty. Now it was cold and dark. She had watched her father build fires, a hundred hundred fires, but she had never bothered to herself. Now her father had moved on, and there was no one to build a fire but her. You can do this, Mazzy. You got this, she said, reaching into the chimney crack. After fishing in the dark for a moment, she pulled out a hide-wrapped bundle and a few strips of deer meat that must have been set to smoke and then forgotten in the chaos. Well, at least they left this behind, she said, hefting the bundle. Inside were two stones and an ugly wad of yellow-brown. The first stone was dark with a groove like kissing lips. The second stone was moon-white and came to a rough point. The wad was old bark covered in fungus, dry as dust. Mazzy broke off a piece of the fungus and laid it carefully on the ground. She held the two stones above it and scraped the light stone across the dark. Nothing happened. She did it again, harder. Still nothing. Come on, she grunted hitting the stones together in an angry flurry again and again until she slipped and crushed a fingernail between the two stones. Ow, 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 ow! She cried, shaking her hand wildly. Oh, oh, oh! Came an answering howl from outside the cave. Mazzy froze for a moment, listening. Was that soft or a laugher? When the sound didn't repeat, Mazzy tried again. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, 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 came the reply. It was soft. Soft, come on, boy, come here. There was no answer, but the young wolf poked his head into the cave entrance, eyes searching. There you are, Mazzy said. Part of her knew she should be afraid, knew that wolves were dangerous, but for some strange reason, she wasn't. Maybe it was the battle with the laugher, maybe it was the way he was following her. Maybe it was just the realization that if he had wanted to hurt her, he would have done it already. Whatever the case, her only fear was that Soft, her last maybe friend left, would turn and run. Do you want some meat? She asked, holding out one of the strips of smoked deer she had found earlier. At the word meat, the young wolf's ears perked up and his head cocked to one side. That's right, meat for Soft, she said, and threw the strip onto the floor. It was, Mazzy hoped close enough to the door for the wolf to feel safe coming in. Meat for soft! Come on, boy! The young wolf sniffed at the air and took two tentative steps into the cave, wincing as though he expected something bad to happen. When nothing did, he padded over to the strip of meat, sniffed it once, and then laid down with it between his paws, tail wagging. He began to chew the strip with his bright white fangs, keeping one eye on Mazzy as he did. Good soft, she said and picked up another strip of meat. We're friends, right? She took a bite. 
It was tough, but good. Mazzy felt some strength rushing back through her body. When Soft finished his first piece of meat, he padded quietly over to Mazzy. She held out her hands, palms up, hoping the wolf wouldn't be alarmed by their nervous shaking. Soft sniffed at both and then licked them. Mazzy laughed as the warm, wet tongue drenched her fingers with spit. When he had gotten all the meat flavor off, the wolf turned and stretched, and then walked to the door. Mazzy was afraid he was going to leave, but he simply laid down in the mouth of the cave, looking out at the wild and dawning night. Looking out for enemies, Mazzy thought, and then she realized there was more to it. He's looking out for me. And even though she didn't get the fire lit, that night Mazzy slept comfortably, wrapped in her oversized fur coat and sharing heat with the strange young wolf named Soft. Chapter 10. The Scent Soft walked slowly, nose low to the ground, following the scent trail as best he could. The scent wasn't as strong as he would have liked. Good strong scents were like the sun on a river, bright and shiny and easy to follow even from miles away. This scent was dim, like listening to a small stream in the woods. It would get stronger and then softer, and occasionally it would disappear entirely. Still, Soft followed, and it confirmed his worst fears. The humans had been followed by the wolves, and both had been followed by the crunchers. The crunchers were desperately hungry, and Soft didn't want to think about what they'd do if they caught up to his pack or the human pack. He had to find them first, no matter what. He was lucky to have the girl with him. It wasn't good to sniff out a scent on your own. You could get so caught up in the hunt that you missed something dangerous right in front of you. With the girl, Soft knew he had a friendly pair of eyes watching out for him. And even better, she had shared her little bit of food, of meat, with him in the cave. It hadn't been much, but he had needed it badly. Already he felt stronger. Behind him, the girl was talking as they crossed over the cold, frosted plain. She had been slow to leave the cave that morning, but ultimately she had grumbled and then started out on the trail. Soft was worried she would stray from the scent, but so far she seemed content to follow him towards the still rising sun. Among the strange words she continued to speak, Soft caught a few he knew. Mostly it was his own name, but he had also heard meat and spear. At one point they crossed by a dying tree, its branches bare and straight. The girl broke one off and worked at it with her small, clever paws as they walked. When Soft looked back next, he saw she had made it into a spear, one of the long, sharp claws the humans carried. He wondered briefly what it would be like to have such clever paws. Maybe it would be worth being slow and nose-blind like the humans were. They trudged together in weary miles across the frozen plains. During their long hours, they saw no prey, no tracks, no sign of life but the occasional needle tree or low, scrubby bush. Once, a bird flew overhead, though it was too high for Soft to take much interest. It was late in the afternoon when they reached the beginning of the hills. Some were small and easily hiked, others were rocky and had only thin ledges to walk on with dangerous falls to either side. Eventually, Soft came to a point where they had to choose between two directions. To the left, the ground sloped softly down into a pleasant-looking valley. To the right, a jutting piece of rock climbed up and out of sight around the back of a steep stone hill. Soft stopped and sniffed deeply, looking one way and then the other. After a minute of careful circling, he realized the scent led to the right, up the steep stone. Soft looked wistfully at the gentle path to the left and then started up the hill. Soft! No, this way! The girl called. 
Sof looked at her and cocked his head at all her mouth noises. The girl was heading down the hill, into the valley and away from the scent. That was wrong. What was she doing? He barked at her and looked up the rocky hill. The girl looked up at him from the soft slope below. No, this way, boy. This way is easier. Come this way. Come on, soft. More mouth noises with his name thrown in. They didn't have time for this. Soft barked again and again, taking a few steps down the hill and then back up to show her the way. No, that's too steep. Come this way. She turned and started walking down the hill. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Sputtering annoying barks, Soft leapt from the rocky trail, bounded down the hill, and cut in front of the girl's path. What are you doing? He barked again and then bit her sleeve and began to pull, digging in his paws and edging backwards up the hill as hard as he could. Whoa, what are you doing? The girl said, shaking him off. Stop, Soft. She took another step the wrong direction. Soft started whining and nipping at her heels. When she still didn't listen, he launched himself at her back and sent them both rolling down the hill. The young wolf was back on his feet in a flash. He grabbed her foot and pulled and was pleasantly surprised when her boot came off in his mouth, leaving her with just a dirty bare foot. Soft! You give that back! She stood up and began hopping after him through the snow. This isn't funny! She huffed. Soft ran back up the right-hand path, up the stone hill, up where the scent led. The girl followed, hopping on her one-booted foot, her yells punctuated by little yips of pain as she stepped on particularly rocky parts of the path. Give that back! Ow! You fleabag! Soft dropped the boot and sat, wagging his tail. He had got her to take the right path. She sat and tugged her boot back on, glaring at him all the while. You really want to go this way, huh? She asked, gesturing up the rocky hill. Soft didn't recognize the words, but she pointed the right way, finally. He barked happily and wagged his tail. All right, Soft, let's go your way. She started up the hill and Soft quickly edged back into the lead. The path rounded a rocky hill and then followed along the edge of the valley. To the right was a sheer wall of brittle stone. To the left was an ever higher drop down into the valley below. Why the humans took this path, Soft could not imagine. Suddenly the scent was gone. Soft stopped short, the girl bumping into his butt and nearly sending the pair of them tumbling off the trail. Soft turned to glare at her and then went back to sniffing. The trail had to be somewhere. Soft, he heard. Look at this boy. He turned at the sound of his name and saw the girl disappear into the wall of stone to the right. Soft cocked his head to the side, confused, and then patted back. Soft, in here, boy. He turned and saw her. There was an opening in the wall. He had been so focused on following the rocky trail he had missed a cave. He sniffed inside, lifting his nose to sample the air. Human and wolf and cruncher, but something was different. He took a few steps into the cave, nose going wild. What is it, boy? What do you smell? Soft sniffed along until the cave opened up into a broad chamber. Then he turned and barked happily at the girl. She called his name, confused, and he ran to her, jumping and dancing around her. The cruncher scent had ended at the cave door. They had been too bulky or afraid to go inside. The pack would be okay. The humans would be okay. Soft barked again and nipped at the girl's sleeves playfully. She seemed excited too. Soft, I'm sorry I ever doubted you in that amazing nose of yours. 
She reached out and scratched behind his ears. Her other paw emerged with the last of the smoked deer meat. She broke the strip in half and threw half of it on the ground for him. Good boy, Soft, good boy. Soft started chewing his dinner and watched the girl walk across the cave. She went to one of the walls and sat in front of it. The wall was strange, covered in what looked like human paw prints. There were a lot of them, and right in the center was the biggest, strangest one. It looked like a human paw, but it was missing two of the fingers. The girl laid her own little paw inside of the big one and smiled so happily and wide she looked half-wolf. Good boy, Soft. Good, good boy. Tail wagging slowly, Soft watched as the girl spread her fingers wide and placed her paw against the wall next to the others. Then she took out a bundle of some kind of powder and blew it over her paw. When she pulled it away from the wall, there was her handprint, just like all the others. It looked good. It looked right. Soft barked happily and wolfed down the rest of his dinner. They must have gone through here, the girl said, looking down the only other passage leaving the room. It went for a ways downward through the hill and seemed to come out through a small crack in the valley below. It's almost dark. We'll sleep here. Sleep. That was another word Soft had learned in this strange new pack they had established. Sleep was rest, and rest was good. He waited for the girl to pick a spot and then curled up next to her. She scratched behind his ears and he chewed on her sleeves, and then, from somewhere in the valley below, they heard a vicious, stuttering howl. They both held their breath and froze, listening, and then came another and another. The crunchers. They were still down there somewhere, looking, hunting, and tomorrow, one way or another, Soft would have to guide his new pack through. It soon grew dark and cold, but there was little sleep to be had. All through the night, the crunchers howled, storm clouds gathering overhead. To be continued. Today's story. Part 2 of Soft, the First Dog, was an original story by Daniel Hines, performed by me, Amanda Weldon. We'll find out the conclusion of Mazzy and Soft's story next week. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Thanks for listening!